0: Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Well, we've been on a series for a few weeks here, and we've been talking about supernatural living. Supernatural living. Does that sound all right? Now, let me just qualify this. Notice I said supernatural living, and I did not say Spooky natural living, okay? Supernatural, not spooky natural, okay? As a Christian, man, your lives are supernatural. Being born again is, is, is being changed on the inside. It's not just, you know, going to church and being good. Sometimes people have, you know, pushed being born again off to that. You know, you join a church. Are you an American? You know, have you done this? Have you done that? Being born again is life transforming. It's it's taking heaven's life and imparting it to your spirit. Being changed from the inside out. You see, religion is always trying to press you into a mold and make you to be a cookie cutter. You know, be this. You know, God wants you to be you, but he wants you to be the best you you can be. God always works from your heart, from the inside, and changes you from the inside out. Hallelujah. I love the way God does stuff. It's so much better than the way I would do it, you know? So in this series, we're, we're talking about a couple things. We're talking about what we have as believers, and we're talking about how to give it away. What we have and how to give it away. We spent a, a little bit of time talking about salvation itself, how, what we have, and how to give it away, how to evangelize. We talked, I think it might have been last week, about, what did we talk about last week? We, talked, we were in Mark 16 and we talked about, But it says this, it says, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. It says they'll cast out demons. You know, and if you, were, you missed last week, I'd encourage you to listen to the, the MP3 or watch the video on, on the website. But we talked about, you know, Jesus said they'd cast out demons in His name. Now that's not spooky. Remember that? Hollywood is what made this stuff spooky. Sometimes Christians have made it spooky. They've put something in it that I call ooby-dooby, you know, and it's something that God didn't have, you know, He, he didn't do that. You know, people made it weird, you know. God's only intent is that you and I be free. You know, in teaching that, you know, again, we're not trying to, you know, raise up an army where we go around devil hunting. Hey, who's the demon? <laughs> I'm going to cast him out of somebody. Yeah, hey, You know, looking for candidates. No, 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 no. But you know what? You can be free. And I'm telling you this, you'll have opportunities in life to pray for others and know how to get them free. It's a, it's a normal thing, but it is supernatural living. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this, people in life are about as free as they want to be. You've got to want to be free if you're going to be free, okay? So one, people need to want to be free, that's important. And then the other thing that we, we emphasized last week is that there's power in the name of Jesus. Can you say the name of Jesus? Say Jesus. Jesus. You see, you may not know all the theological, you may not know hermeneutical, you may not know, you know, whatever. You've done an exhaustive, strong study in this whole thing, but I tell you what, if you know the name of Jesus, it'll get you far in life. You may not always know exactly the right way to pray, but I'm telling you what, the name of Jesus, you know, the name of Jesus will get you out of crisis. The name of Jesus will turn situations around in life. Know the name. You know, it'd be a good thing to just study on the name of Jesus and just build your faith in the name of Jesus. I remember one time I was working this job, you know, and it was like a factory type of job. And, you know, you know what I mean? I kind of dug this about it because, you know, in a factory job, when machines are running good, there's nothing to it. The main thing you're there for is when things break down, okay? And, and, and I was running this machine, and it was running good, running really good. So I just started meditating on the name of Jesus, started talking to myself about the name of Jesus. And I pulled up on that scripture about believing in the name of Jesus, you know, and, and, and they that believe in the name of Jesus will lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. And I just said, wow, it's the name of Jesus. It does the work. It does the work. And then I said, wow, these hands, I can lay hands on, on people and they'll be healed. And right when I'm doing that, somebody in the vicinity got hurt. And I I knew I heard about it. Someone came and got me and I went and laid hands on them and they got instantly healed. Hey, the name of Jesus, it'll work on the job. The name of Jesus, it'll work in your home. It'll work in church. It'll work in life. There's power in the name of Jesus. Now, talking about supernatural living, in Mark 16, as we read on, it says, These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. I want to take some time this morning, and I just want to talk about this this area of tongues. Tongues. Talk about tongues. I'm not going to talk in tongues, probably. I might. You never know. But I want to talk about speaking in tongues. You know, I guess as a pastor, every couple years, I do a sermon similar to this because I find that sometimes people don't understand what tongues are about. Sometimes people get confused about tongues. Sometimes what people know about tongues is what someone told them about somebody else that did it and it scared them and whatever. I know that happens. And it happens because people haven't taken time to go back to the Word and find out what God's Word says about it. And so there's been confusion. There's been wrong thinking. And, 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 and you know, and God isn't into that. God's in delight, like Peter, your name Peter? No, Stephen. Stephen Peter? No, Stephen Francis. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's it. You're just a rock, Stephen. You know, Stephen quoted that scripture this morning. It's God's will that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants us walking in truth. And because of confusion... And because of misunderstandings, you know, this, this has become maybe some places they don't even teach about it. They've gotten all muddled, you know. And, and this is an important topic because, you know, it's, it's part of what the early church was all about. You know, I think sometimes if we looked at the early church and looked at the church, what it's become... We may not even recognize the similarities in a lot of these areas because we've let go of some things that were important in the beginning days. Some people have said this, well, that tongues, that was just for the early church. God needed something to get the church going. I want to tell you this. One time I bought a new car. I bought this brand new Subaru. Subaru, like I said, never even heard of a Subaru, but I had this car that was breaking down all the time. Dane and I went in and we bought a brand new Subaru. And before I left the, the, the dealership, he said, I'm gonna send somebody down, I'm gonna fill that car with gas. I said, that's great, go for it. I don't mind waiting. So they took it down and they filled it up with gas and they brought it back with a full tank of gas. You want to know a secret? That car, I had it for 13 years. And it started with gas that very first day. And even down to the very end, I still had to have gas or it wouldn't run. You know, if it took gas to start the early church, it takes gas to keep the church going. The same kind of gas. Well, you know, as they get older... They take different, no, they take the same kind of gas. <laughs> same kind. There's not a gas station for old cars and new cars. There's the same kind of gas that goes into the new car. It goes into old cars, you know, but people have gotten off into their heads and, and, and getting in misunderstanding and confusion and all this stuff, and it's kept people from what God intended Christians to know so I'm going to just you know I'm going to go for it here in 1 Corinthians 14 we're going to read a little bit then I want to go to the book of Acts and talk about a progression in the book of Acts that, that you know the early church you just see what they did in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14 Paul said this now Paul you need to know the context of this Paul was addressing the Corinthian church. And you want to know why he was addressing them? Because they had gone wild. They were just, you know, they were the ones that you get the stories. They swang from the chandeliers. They rolled down the aisle. Have you ever rolled down the aisle? Well, I, we've, been, we've had it happen. But, you know, you know, not every time, but it does happen. But, you know, there was excess and there was confusion. Let me tell you this. God is not the author of confusion. So Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, and one of the reasons he did this is to bring some guidelines and to bring some order. And and he says this in verse 14. He says, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, and my understanding is unfruitful. Here's something you should know about praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, it's not your head that's working. It's your heart that's working. You know, Paul said, my understanding is unfruitful when I pray in other tongues. You know, part of the problem that we can run into as Christians is our heads are doing too much of the work. Well, that may not not be in every case, but many cases... Our heads are just doing stuff they weren't designed to do, okay? And, and in this case, Paul said this, when I pray in other tongues, it's my spirit that's praying. My understanding is unfruitful. How many can testify to that? Now, when I first got you know, baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues, it caused my head fits, I was just, my head didn't get it at all. And sometimes people get so caught up in what their head is saying that they ignore what God has done. All right? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues, it was kind for me, it was just kind of in a my own little world. And it was in a service. I was in a church service, but they didn't even have us go forward. We just, in our seats, we just all received and started praying in tongues. And nobody was really around me hearing me. I was just in my own thing, praying in tongues. And I walked out of there, and the thought came to me. This, you know, Now, you tell me where that thought came from, but it came, it says, don't ever let anybody hear you praying like that, or they're going to say, you don't have the real thing. Now, Sister Betty over here or or Uncle Floyd, they got the real thing, but you don't. Yours is inferior. Don't let people hear you. This is the kind of message that came to my head, to my understanding. Now, I was just a young believer, and I walked away and thought, Well, I I, I didn't actually answer myself or the devil, but I kind of bought that for a few days. Until God brought me into a situation where I didn't even think about it, and I did pray in front of other people, okay? I tell you, the best way to just break through the lies that come to your head is just, man, just go out and do the opposite of what the devil's trying to tell you to do. Paul went on, though, and he said this in verse 15. He says, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. And when he says praying with the Spirit, he's talking about praying in other tongues. So he said I will pray with the spirit or I'll pray in other tongues and I will pray with the understanding also. Let me tell you something about this. When people when you're when you've baptized in the Holy Ghost and you pray in tongues, you should still pray with your understanding. Still pray with your 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 normal kind of prayer stuff, you know. Again, you know, if I if I'm going out to lunch today and I get to the restaurant and you know I'm going to pray for the food, I probably won't stand up on a chair on top of the table and start praying in tongues. Some of you wonder, but but you know, Paul said there's there's some some godly sense here. Okay, he says. Pray with your understanding and pray in the Spirit. You do them both. You know, I like to do this. I like to pray whatever I know with my understanding and then pray in the Spirit, you know, after that. Last night, going to bed and and, and Dana says, I just, I feel uneasy about Casey. You know, our daughter is Casey. She She's our youngest and she lives in New York. And, you know, and, like any person, she's working through some things, and she says, I'm just uneasy about some things about Casey. So you know what we did? We did just, just, we're laying in bed. So I said, let me start. I prayed with my understanding. I prayed things I know about, you know. I used the name of Jesus over my daughter and, and, and some other things. And then when I was done with that, I said, all right, Dana, now let's pray in the Spirit. So we spent, you know, probably five minutes just praying in tongues. And, and, and you know, we both felt better. I didn't ask Dana, but I slept good. <laughs> anyway, I'll ask her later. But anyway. <laughs> so in any case, when you pray in the Spirit, that doesn't mean you don't ever pray with your understanding, but it means you got both. You can use them both, all right? Now, let's just go into the book of Acts. I want to go there. I'm going to go. I didn't get this far in the first service. Somehow I got sidetracked. Now, I'll tell you. We'll, we'll try to go here today. In Acts chapter 1, start, starting in verse 4. So why are you talking about this in church, Pastor Paul? Well, it's probably a good place to talk about something like this, you know? I mean, you know, the reason that some people don't receive, you know, this is they they have misunderstanding. They haven't, they don't believe, they don't have faith in this area. The reason they don't understand, they don't believe, they don't have faith in this area is because they have not heard the word taught in this area. If you've lived your life and people have said, oh, tongues, hell, you know, that's of the devil. I don't understand people that say tongues are of the devil. You know, before I was saved, I tried everything I could that the devil had, and I never spoke in tongues once. Never, not once. Never, you know, went to a party and pulled around and said, Hey, let's pray in tongues tonight. We'll really get out there. (laughs) Never did it. Never once. Don't understand that. You know, and other people think, well, you know, tongues have passed away. You see, they just haven't read what the Bible says about it. We're going to talk about it. Now, I got to go here. You know, there's always things. Praying in tongues does not mean you're a better christian. Do you hear me? Don't go touting around like hey, who I have arrived at praying tongues. You know what? Sometimes people pray in tongues and they're downright carnal. Do you think tongues are carnal? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a whole package, all right? You don't have to pray in tongues to go to heaven. Okay? It doesn't mean you're saved or not saved, okay? Praying in tongues is is simply a tool that God has given us, you know, that we can live lives here on this earth. I want all the help I can get. I want everything he's got, you know. Don't you? Hallelujah. But that said, you could live your whole life here on the earth and never pray in tongues. And you could be an outstanding Christian. But I'm just telling you, this is here for you. Now, I gotta say, before I ever prayed in tongues, I led people to Christ. I, I, I brought people to church. I did things that, you know, were kingdom-minded. But I appreciate when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, it was it was God, it was the power of God on my life. Okay? I I recognized it. I wanted it so bad. Back in the day, back in the late 70s when I got saved. I worked in this place that was a mixture of Christians. What do you mean by a mixture of Christians? I mean we had Baptists, we had Catholics, we had Methodists, we had Lutherans, and we had Charismatics, and we had, you know, non-denominationals, and we had everybody, and we were all working together. And you know, you want to know something really wild? Is we all got along. You know, we got along and they all knew there was these people that prayed in tongues and there's those people knew there's people that didn't but you know what we had a common goal and it was kingdom business the common goal was we wanted to see people get born again so we could work together sometimes in the body of Christ we've focused so much on our differences that we've missed the boat okay I'm just shooting from the hip. I get, you know, I get out here, and I'm away from any notes, so that I'm not responsible for what could be said. Dana's not for sure, but, 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 but anyway. In Acts chapter one and verse four, it says this, uh, and they were assembled together again. This is the time that Jesus had died. He'd raised from the dead, he'd been on the earth, and he was now going to ascend up into heaven. And these were last things that he shared with his followers, okay? And here in verse 4, he says, in being assembled together with them, who's them? That's the, the disciples, the followers of Christ. It says he commanded them. Again, he didn't suggest, he commanded them. It means he felt pretty strongly about this. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you, you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt at this time you restore the kingdom of Is- to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But in verse 8, he went on, he said, But... Let me get you guys back on track. You're going off a side trail that I really didn't design for you to go down. Let me get you back on track here. He says, but, you know, I'm talking about waiting for this power. I'm talking about waiting for this promise. I'm saying I'm commanding you don't leave Jerusalem until you've you've got this. He says in verse 8, he says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. All right, coming back here, Jesus said, You'll get the the power will come on you and you shall be witnesses. Again, I did witnessing before I ever got baptized in the Holy Ghost. But Jesus said, There's an extra help, there's an extra power that'll come on you to help you be effective in supernatural living, to help you be effective in kingdom business. Now, when we went to Haiti, John will remember this, last year in May, you know, we, we helped construct, or these guys, they put up a roof. And, and uh, you know what you do when you put up, I don't know a whole lot about putting up roofs, but one thing I know is you need, you, you can testify to that, right? But you do need nails, you know, does everybody, did everybody learn this today? Jeff, you know, you need nails to put up a roof. And in Haiti, they are a rare commodity to find a good nail. So we had a whole team of people. This is something that I, I share our work done. I tell you, man, I tell you, I, I try to help you sometimes. And we would do is we would straighten out nails. We take a hammer or whatever, rock or something, and, and we would try to take these bent up old nails and straighten them out so they could be used to, to put up this roof. You know what? When we left, the roof was up. The job was completed. But how many of you today want to go home, you know, maybe you've got a project at home and I think, you know, I think I'm just going to find some old bent up nails and I'm going to straighten them out so I can use them. I never would do that. If there's a Menards around, baby, I'm going to get some new nails. I'm going to go get the tools that are fashioned for the job that I want to do. Okay? Can I do it without that? Well, I've, I can, I've lived it. I can tell you today, along with some other people, you can put up a roof with old crooked nails, straight them out, and they worked, and it did a fine job. But thank God we can go get some fresh nails We can get the proper tool for the job to be even more effective. This time when we're going to Haiti, we're going to bring some nails. (laughs) We're doing it. Nails are on the list. So Jesus said, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I want to point something out because some people get hung up on this. Some people have thought that, you know, that it is taught. They thought that we teach it or somebody teaches it or whoever, that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Ghost. You know what I say to that? Eh, That's wrong. That's Yeah, that's right. That's wrong. What is it? Come on. Yeah. Now you're going to notice this because I'm going to point it out to you. That in the book of Acts, when Jesus started talking about it, when it's it's told of other occasions in the book of Acts, that the Holy Ghost didn't just, you know, come in them when they got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues, but he he came upon them. Can you say within? Within. Upon. Upon. What's the difference between within and upon? Within, it means, you know, it's in you, but upon means it's on you. You know, it's like Dana saying to me, Paul, watch what you're eating. It's upon you. And it should be in you. I said, Dana, that's why I wore a tie. When you get born again, you know, whenever that is, when you get born again... The Spirit of God comes in you. He is in you. He's in you. Don't let anybody take that away from you. He's in you. When you pray and and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, He comes upon you. When we take people, you know, in the church, we'll baptize you anytime. Time you want. We'll set up a time and do it at the hotel. We don't have a baptismal here. We've used the Alliance Church before. But typically in the summer, we, we schedule a date for anybody that wants to wait and we go down to the river. And we baptize people in water. And you know, I always give people instructions. And I, I, I tell them this we're going to stand. How do we do it? We, so their head goes in the current so it doesn't blow water up their nose. Isn't that right? Yeah. And, and I, I tell people, when we're going to put you down, this is, what, this is important to me. I say, say I'm going to have you put an arm on your elbow and I'm going to have you hold your nose with the other one. Do you know why I tell people that? Because I don't want water getting in them. I want it on them. Okay? Jesus said they'd be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, they already had him in them but he was saying he's going to be you're going to be immersed you're going to have them all over you now I've done a number of baptisms baptisms I won't say I've you you know I've always done the best but one thing I can tell you every time when I've baptized people every one of them have gotten wet okay from head to toe they've gotten wet true and 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 uh, so so baptized in the Holy Ghost doesn't mean the Holy Ghost comes in you you're born again he already lives in you baptized in the Holy Ghost he's come upon you okay so Jesus told these guys he says you know don't you know, leave here, but tarry and wait. Okay, i got to go here again. Maybe I won't get any further than the first service. <laughs> all right, all right. Today, you and I do not need to tarry. Amen. He is already here. We'll read on, and we'll find that in Acts chapter 2, and they did tarry. And they waited and he came upon them. He filled the place where they were sitting and, and, and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. All right, what Jesus told them to do came about. But from that time till now, the Holy Ghost has not left. He's here. You don't need to tarry to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The better way to do it would be to receive it, get baptized in the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues and then tarry afterwards. There's benefit in tarrying, but you don't need to tarry like, I got to talk God into this. He's already for it, okay? Now, I'm sure we won't get here today, but again, my big frustration back in the 70s is I, I, I came into the whole thing, you know, I thought, I want everything there is and and i knew people that you know spoke in tongues and i knew people that didn't but i know people that did and, and i wanted what they had but the trouble with you know everybody i knew back then is nobody knew how to get me what they had i'd hear them talking they'd say yeah well, i had a great night last night i was just praying in tongues and blah, 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 blah. and i actually walked over to one guy and i grabbed his hand and i said pray for me And they just, they wouldn't do it. They didn't know what to do. It baffled them. Well, we're going to talk about how to do that. Effectively, it doesn't need to be a big thing. It probably doesn't need to take more than a couple minutes. All right? Let's go on in Acts 2. Let's just at least go this far, okay? This was an important thing in the early church. This was even more important than getting a gift card from Raw Deal. <laughs> it's true. It was. And they were, they were adamant about it. We'll find this in the early church. One, you know, Dana asked me this in the first service. First service. And, and, and one reason is, is they, most of them, you know, the disciples, most of them heard Jesus say, you guys need this. Wait for it. And the Apostle Paul, he wasn't there, but he, he had the experience and he recognized the benefit. There's benefits to praying in tongues. You know, g- great spiritual men that I've read after put a high priority on praying in tongues. Smith Wigglesworth, you know. Smith Wigglesworth is so cool that Stephen and Kara want to name their first dog after Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. Little, little Smith. Yeah, hey. Now Smith, Smith was an English plumber that got saved and got on fire for God. Had You know, I've read books where he's had at least 14 people raised from the dead. Had great revival all over the world. Smith Wigglesworth said, he said, before I preach... I always pray in tongues for extended times. He says, because when I pray in tongues, it builds me up. And he said, if, I ain't, if I'm not built up, he says, how can I go build up someone else? You know, God's plan is always for you to be full. You to be so full of the goods that you can go and share it with other people. You know, his plan isn't that you just give out everything you got till you're dry and Uh, barely, you know, just straggling along. No, he wants you to be so full and overflowing that you give of the overflow. You know, everybody's full of something. So anyway, all right. Acts 2, 1 1 through 4, it says, And the day of Pentecost was fully come. They're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now in this initial happening here i'm telling you they're up in the upper room and the spirit of god came all on them you know and they began to speak in other tongues and and it was wild it was so wild that people observing it from the outside you know they thought these people were drunk You know, when you're on the outside looking in, this can look really strange. The key is, don't stay on the outside. Get on the inside, and you'll see what's going on. Too many times, Christians have judged it from the perspective of those outside people. Jump in the boat, or jump out of the boat, whatever the case may be. Get immersed. Get immersed, you know. and and dig in, and then you'll see. You know, the Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, the best way to check all this out is is get a thorough grounding, see what the Word says about it, but jump in. Jump in. Throw away your inhibitions. You know, take your head and say, listen, head, you're going to do what I say. And jump in. You know? You know, you can, you can get all caught up in religion. But just immerse yourself in what God has for you. Well, I got, you know, 15 more pages here or something like that. But, but I think we're going to stop this morning. What are we talking about? We're talking about supernatural living. You know? And we're talking specifically about praying in other tongues. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying in, in the Spirit. Again, if you don't pray in tongues, you're welcome here. Yeah. You know, I'll warn you, though. <laughs> you hang around a slippery creek bank, sooner or later, you'll probably slide in. Yeah. Okay? And if you're here, and, and maybe you've come for a while, and maybe you, you've never had this experience... Don't be embarrassed. Don't let your embarrassment keep you from what God has for you. You know, if you're not comfortable in church, talk to me. I mean, hey, I'm your pastor. Talk to me about it. We, we, we've prayed with people, you know, outside of church many times. And, you know, and, and, and hey, people get filled with the Holy Ghost. They get baptized, they speak in tongues. You know, I pray, I don't know how many people I've prayed with. I, I've never counted. But, but I know there's been a lot. We've laid hands on to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Kara was like three years old. Three years old. She heard Dana and I praying. Somebody had called our home that was there, they had a daughter who, who was going through a, a terrible medical emergency. So we hung the phone up, and we began to pray, prayed from our heart, and we, we, we ended up just praying in tongues until we had a peace. When it was all done, Kara was just three-year-old looking at us. She said, "I want that." And you know what? You know what we did? We went and laid hands on her, and she started praying in tongues. And after she'd prayed in tongues for a while, she looked at us and said, "Could I pray in French now?" <laughs> so anyway, I mean, you know. I mean Casey was even younger when she she because she saw a big sister prayed in tongues. She she wanted to after that. And we didn't discourage them, we just laid hands on them. and and she started speaking. And kids are really easy. You know? They're easy to yield to this stuff. Adults get older and, and, and it's not that it's hard for them, but sometimes they've got a few obstacles they gotta jump over. But we'll help you jump over. I mean, as a parent, I'll give you parental advice. You get it all when you come to Liberty. I'll give you parental advice. When Karen Casey, you know, three, and I don't know, Casey was a little younger, close to two, two or three, I don't know. It's in your baby book. Look it up. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, when, they, when they had that happen, every night, I, I was always the, the one that put them to bed at night whenever I was home. And, and uh, so every night when I'd put them to bed, I would, I would practice with them. I'd say, because, you know, they're the kids. I said, you know, we're going to use what, what God's given you. So we would just take, I mean, I mean a little time, because they're kids, you know. I didn't go up to Karen and say, all right, we're going to spend the next two hours praying in tongues. I mean, that was longer than Barney, you know. <laughs> you, you couldn't do that. But, but we'd take, you know, 30 seconds, and we'd pray in tongues. And, you know, I'd hear them, the kids, I'd hear them when they were playing because they used to play church and stuff like that. And I'd hear them praying in tongues while they were playing as kids because they were just doing what, what they, they, they knew. So, I mean, as a parent, help your kid. You know, if you're not a parent, I'm telling you this, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, do it every day. You know, you may not, you may not uh, pray for an hour every day. It'd be good to, but take some time every day and pray in tongues. And don't be embarrassed. You know, you don't need to even do it around people. I'll talk more about that. But, um, you know, at least do it in your car. You can even do it in your car with the windows up. Okay? The air can do it with the radio on. You know? Sing in tongues with, uh, you know, whatever the gospel station is. You know, when they're singing. You can, you can go for it. Put in a CD of Stephen or something. And, and pray in tongues while, while you're, you're singing with them. Hallelujah. It's the only time I really sing is in the car with the windows up when I'm all alone. If you ever see me at the signal light, yeah, I didn't think you were watching. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.